Hello and welcome everybody to what I'm going to go ahead and say is the last episode of John Reviews Eternal Masters. Today we're going to talk about all of the multicolored cards and all of the artifacts and just go ahead and put a nice neat little bow on Eternal Masters. Again, I'm going to talk about each card as far as their playability and limited, as well as where you can expect to see them outside in, in the wild, so to speak. So, first up in the gold cards we have Armadillo Cloak. One green, white for an enchantment or an uncommon. Again, this is a pretty strong seed for the Enchantress deck. It enchants a creature. The Enchanted creature gets plus two, plus two, and has trample. And whenever the Enchanted creature deals damage, you gain that much life. Now, this is not lifelink. If you put this on a lifelink creature, it will stack. But I don't recall any of the other creatures in this format having lifelink, so you're kind of you're tough out of luck there. That said, card is very, very good. You know... Trample, plus two, plus two, and what is effectively lifelink is very powerful to put on any creature, even something as small as a 1-1. One, one. But put this on a big beater, and you are going to go to town on some people. Especially if you put this, you put this on your Yavimaya Enchantress. Eh? Eh? Hey, combos. You can also see this in Legacy, or not Legacy, in Commander. I don't think this sees play in Legacy at all. But you can see this in Commander in some Enchantress decks that decide to go into a few, another color or so. And I'm sure this is fine in Highlander. Next, first time you've seen this card in booster packs, we have Baleful Strix. Blue-black for an artifact creature bird at rare. It's a 1-1 flying death touch, and when it enters the battlefield, you draw a card. This is one of the really powerful cards that came out of Plane Chase a few years ago, recently reprinted in Commander 2013 decks, and is a very strong role player in the Shardless Sultai decks in Legacy. Now, this card does a lot of great things. It replaces itself. It works as a very nice stopgap for a lot of different creatures because Flying Death Touch is very, very good. The art is amazing. This is going to be the first time you're going to get this Nils Ham art in foil. And oh my god, I can only imagine at how beautiful this foil is going to look. The card's great in cube. I'm sure it's great in Highlander. You know, drawing cards is going to be great in 100-card singleton formats. Baleful Strix, great card. First pick it. Be happy with it. Next, we have... Bloodbraid Elf, banned in modern Bloodbraid Elf, to Red Green. Elf Berserker at Uncommon. She is a 3-2 haste with Cascade. Now, there's a few other Cascade cards in the set, so what does Cascade do? Well, when you cast this spell, you exile cards from the top of your library, and so you hit exile a non-land card that costs less. So that's a 3-2-1 or 0. There's no zeros in the set you need to worry about, so with Bloodbraid Elf, 3-2-1. You may cast it without paying its mana cost, put the exiled cards on the bottom in a random order. Cascade is a very, very powerful mechanic. It is very, very random. In um, Legacy, or in, in regular Constructed, you can build a deck so that you know exactly what you're going to hit with your Cascades. Back when this was in Standard, it was very common to cast Blood Red Elf and you hit a 3-drop, which is usually Blightning, uh, which is one black-red target player, deal 3 damage target player, and they discard 2 cards. Lightning is very unfair, especially when you attach it effectively onto a 3-2 haste. Bloodbraid Elf is very, very powerful. I would pick this fairly highly. Just remember it's banned in modern. Thing to remember. Uh, I'm sure this is also playable. It's playable a little bit in Legacy. Uh, I think it's played in Legacy Jund sometimes. And it is also very strong in, in Highlander, I would assume. I mean, Cascade seems really good in that, in that type of format. Next is a Brago King Eternal. Two white-blue for a legendary creature spirit at rare. He's a 2-4 flyer, and whenever he deals combat damage to a player, 
exile any number of non-land permanents you control. You do have to target them, so you're not going to be able to do this with your shroud creatures. They return those cards to the battlefield under their owner's control. So what does Brago do? When he hits your opponent, you just flicker your entire board. It's amazing. Flicker your mana rocks, flicker your face fetters, flickers what, flicker whatever you need to just move around on the board, or just give him vigilance, because that's basically what it reads. Now, the big thing to know with Brago, this is a trick that not a lot of people pick up on, because um, I had an opponent do this when I was playing cube, uh, gave Brago double strike, and they chose him as a target after the first after the first strike damage on the stack. If he ever gains double strike, do not target himself with the first with the first strike damage. He has to stick around for the regular damage. These are things you need to know in case you're going to be doing some shenanigans. Brago is an amazing commander because he's in the same colors as oh I don't know Muldrifter and a bunch of other really powerful and valuable ETB creatures. Brago is very very good. Pick him highly. Play him in the Blue Flyers deck. You will not be disappointed. Next, we have our second Planeswalker in the set, and the only other Planeswalker in the set, Dak Faden, coming back to us from Conspiracy. He's a one blue-red for a Mythic Planeswalker Dak with three loyalty. His plus one is target player draws two cards and discards two cards. Minus two is gain control of target artifact. And his emblem, which almost never does anything that I've seen, you get an emblem with whenever you cast a spell that targets one or more permanents, gain control of those permanents. Dak is a thief, and that's what he does best. He sees a lot more play in Vintage than anything, where the minus two of steel gain control target artifact is very, very powerful in a format with Moxin, especially against the Workshop decks that try to put up a bunch of prison pieces or land something like a Triskelion or a Lodestone Golem or so on. Dak is very, very good. He's also really strong and limited. You can deck yourself with Dak if you're not careful. But just being able to draw three cards a turn with Dak and filter your draws is an amazing ability to have. Dak is very good. Pick him highly. He's already pre-ordering for $20. He is that good. Trust me. Next is a card that I've played a little bit of in uh, Commander, and it's in my cube as well because I'm, I'm pretty hopeful for this card. This is Extract from Darkness. Three blue-black for an uncommon sorcery. Each player puts the top two cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. Then put a creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. This is a reprint from Conspiracy, which is a little bit better in a multiplayer format like Commander or Conspiracy, where you have multiple creatures or multiple players' graveyards to choose from. But it's still really good because it's just reanimate the best thing in anybody's bin. Especially if you're able to pitch something early on and go, oh hey, look, here's hey look, here's my Regal Force. Oh hey look, here's my uh, Grizzle Brand in constructed formats and so on. Extraction of Darkness is a little expensive, but it's exactly what the Doctor ordered. Next is a card that needs an introduction for certain Legacy and Vintage players, which is Flamekin Zealot. One, red, red, white. Uncommon Elemental Berserker, that's a 2-2. When there's the battlefield, creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and gain haste until end of turn. This is usually the win condition for the dredge decks in Legacy and Vintage. Because you can make a bunch of zombies with your bridge, bridge from belows, you put a Flamekin Zealot into play, they all get plus one, plus one, in haste, and you crunch in for something on the order of 30 damage, say on turn two which is crazy powerful. Now, Flamekin Zealot in Limited, I'm sure it's fine. It's kind of a surprise overrun. Remember how we talked about centaur, the uh, the green centaur that gives plus one, plus one, and trample with Threshold? This is a very similar effect. Giving haste to your whole team can be very surprising in certain aspects, but it's a very powerful card. I don't know how highly I would pick it if I'm Remembered White, but considering it is a token strategy, Flamekin Zealot's going to do a really good job there. Next is Glare of Subduel. Two green-white for an enchantment at rare. Has an activated ability. Tap an untapped creature you control. 
tap target artifact or creature. This is a very defensive card. It's an enchantment for the Enchantress deck. It will stop a lot of people in their tracks as far as trying to hit you. Card is very, very powerful. Pick it pretty highly if I'm in the Enchantress deck and be and feel pretty good about myself. In Commander, this also does a lot of really great things. You're able to make a bunch of tokens, tap some dudes down, make sure you're not going to get attacked, tap some artifacts. Very strong. Play it always. Next is Goblin Trenches with New Art. It is one red-white for a rare enchantment. You can pay two and sack a land to put two 1-1 red and white Goblin Soldier creature tokens onto the battlefield. So what does Goblin Trenches do for us? In our red-white aggro deck, it turns our extra lands into extra dudes. And what does every red-white aggro deck need? More dudes. All the anthem effects, all the um, power pumping effects. This is a card that you're going to be able to use to pretty good effect to make a bunch of dudes and then just crunch in for a bunch of damage. Goblin Trenches is very, very powerful. Do not underestimate the power of this card. You will get blown out by it. Next is a card that Commander players already kind of wince at whenever they see this hit the table. With amazing new art by Victor Adame Minguez. I probably mispronounced that. I am sorry. But that is Maelstrom Wanderer. First time we've seen this in a pack. Second time we'll see this in foil. First time we'll see it in, as a pack foil. And the art is amazing. Five blue, red, green. Legendary creature elemental at Mythic. It's a 7-5. Now creatures you control have haste. So there's basically a 7-5 haste. But that's not all. It has Cascade, comma, Cascade. So you basically Cascade twice. This card is absurd. I've seen this do so many unfair things in Commander, it's not even close. Maelstrom Wanderer is one of the best generals, and Teamer is arguably one of the best colors for a Commander to have based on just the amount of ramp you're able to get from green, the card draw you're going to get from blue, and a lot of the really punishing effects you can get from red. And also, this it costs 8. You're going to hit most cards in your deck. It's very, very powerful. I'd first pick this card, no questions asked, and I'm going to do my damnedest to play this card in my deck. Also, great in Commander, by the way, if I didn't mention that already. I'm not sure about Highlander. I'll have to ask uh, some of my Highlander friends how they feel about the Wanderer, but card's absurd. Next is Shaman of the Pack. One black green for a 3-2 Elf Shaman at Uncommon. When it enters the battlefield, target opponent loses life equal to the number of Elves you control. Card's really good in Elves. That's about it. Next is Shardless Agent. One green-blue for an artifact creature human rogue at rare. It's a 2-2, and it has Cascade. Remember that Shardless Soltai deck I mentioned when I talked about Baleful Strix? It's named after this card. This is the card that makes that deck run because you're able to Cascade into, say, a Shardless Agent or... A card I'm going to name a little bit later in uh, Deathrite Shaman, or you cascade into an Ancestral Vision and target yourself and draw a bunch of cards. Card is great. It is probably the ceiling as what we would see with Cascade anyways. Unfortunately, Cascade's probably not coming back in a regular set, so this is probably there to appease those of us who, who like funny things happening. Next is Sphinx of the Steel Wind. Five white, blue, black artifact creature Sphinx at Mythic. It's a 6-6. Six, six. It has Flying, First Strike, Vigilance, Lifelink, Protection from Red, and Protection from Green. This is basically the Artifact of Chroma, except it's weird. It's weird that it's in the set. This card has been reprinted so many times that it might be the least valuable Mythic in the set. That said, if you're in the blue-back reanimator deck and you reanimate this, you're going to win the game pretty, pretty often. It doesn't dodge any of the white or black removal spells, but it does dodge all the red and green stuff that you need to worry about for Artifact Remove. So you need just legitimate creature removal if you're going up against the Sphinx of the Steel Wind. Card is really hard to get rid of. It is very powerful. I would first pick it in most cases. 
I wouldn't blame you for passing it if there's something more powerful in the pack, but it's going to be very hard to beat this card. Next is Thunderclap Wyvern. Two blue, white, white blue on card order. It's a creature drake at uncommon. It's a 2 3 flash flyer and other creatures you control with flying at plus one plus one. You would have seen, you might remember this card from Magic Origins if you played during it. This is here to help enable the, can you guess, white blue flyers deck. Card does a great job at that. If you're in white blue flyers, take the wyvern. Next is a card that has had a few reprintings now, but it's always a great reprint to see. Trigon Predator, one green blue creature beast, two three flyer at uncommon. When it deals combat damage to a player, you may destroy target artifact or enchantment that player controls. This is a really good. This used to be a really good card in vintage. It might not be right now because just blowing up artifacts is great. Card is great in commander. I'm sure this card is good in Highlander with a bunch of the people who might be running Moxin or Time Vaults and so on in that format. Trigon Predator, very, very good card. Play it in most of your blue-green decks and constructed. Maybe play it unlimited. I'm not quite sure how good this card is going to be unlimited, but I'm sure that a 3-mana 2-3 flyer has got to be at least decent if you're in that deck. So play Trigon Predator, you'll be fine. Next, Vindicate. One, white, black, sorcery, rare, destroy target permanent. Yep. For those of you who played with Anguish Unmaking, this is pretty much better than Anguish Unmaking. Instant is a little bit better than Sorcery here, but being able to hit lands is much more important for Vindicate. Because you're able to hit a Maze of Ith, you're able to hit a Karakas or something like that that you need to worry about. Vindicate, very powerful. First pick it, splash for it if you can. Card's really good. Great in cubes, great in commander, great in Highlander. Next is Void, 3, black, red, with sorcery at rare, choose a number, destroy all artifacts and creatures with converted mana cost equal to that number, then target player reveals his or her hand and discards all non-land cards with converted mana cost equal to that number. I'm glad this has new art, because if you look this up on Gatherer, it'll still have the old art, which has a mech in it, and mechs aren't magic, in case you didn't know. I'm not sure if this card is going to be okay, I'm sure it's fine and limited, I've never seen this card cast ever. So I could be pleasantly surprised. Um, I'm sure this card's fine and limited. I wouldn't pick it highly, though. It just seems like it's going to whiff a lot of the time for me. I'm not entirely sure. But we'll see, and I'm willing to be proven wrong. Next is everybody's favorite card, the Wee Dragonauts! One blue-red for a fairy wizard at uncommon. It's a 1-3 flyer. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, Wee Dragonauts gets plus 2, plus 0 until end of turn. This is the kind of original Kiln Fiend, the original Nivix Cyclops. The creatures that get bigger when you cast instant sorceries. This card works great with Burning Vengeance because it cares about casting instant sorceries and getting them back from your graveyard. This card is great. I am sure this is going to kill more than a few people in Eternal Masters Limited. Next is Zealous Persecution, white, black for an instant at uncommon. Until end of turn, creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and creatures your opponents control get minus one, minus one. You want to talk about a white and black effect? This is pretty much it. It's great against token decks and great with tokens decks. For example, I know certain uh, modern black-white tokens decks play one or two of these in their deck just for surprise, you know, gitches. I've also cast this once in my, Mar in my own Mardu tokens list uh, as a wrath against affinity because that is hilarious. So Zealous Persecution, very good card. Only play this in white-black. I don't think I'd splash for this one. It's very good at getting in extra damage and just kind of blowing your opponent out. Thinking, they, thinking that they have good blocks, and when, when, re, when in reality, they're just terrible. That is it for the true gold cards. I guess true gold cards is a misnomer. And we have four hybrid cards that we're going to get to now. The first one is Call the Skybreaker. Five and then two blue-red hybrid mana. 
So you can pay, with, pay this with five blue blue, five blue red, five red red, either way. It's a sorcery at rare. It has retrace, which is good for the Burning Vengeance deck. And you put a five five blue and red elemental creature token with flying onto the battlefield. Yeah, that's a house. Uh, seven mana five five flyer is okay. It's not great. It's okay. Uh, but being able to make multiples with retrace is where this card is really going to shine. So especially casting it from your graveyard with, say, a Burning Vengeance in play. Then you get a 5-5 flyer and just deal two damage to something. That's very good. Wouldn't pick this highly. I, just, I would expect this to maybe wheel in some cases. Card's very good. Now, I already mentioned Deathrite Shaman when I talked about um, Shardless Agent. And here is Deathrite Shaman, another, modern another card in the modern band list. It is a black-green hybrid mana for a 1-2 Elf Shaman at rare. You can tap it to exile target land from a graveyard, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. You can pay black and tap, exile target and sorcery from a graveyard. Each opponent loses two life. Or green tap, exile target creature card from a graveyard. You gain two life. The reason this was banned in modern was because it's good in every stage of the game, and that was a little too unfair for what modern wanted to do. This card helps define legacy because wasteland and fetch lands are such a big deal there, and being able to act as a mana accelerant is very powerful, especially in say only black decks or only green decks. It's very very powerful. I would I might first pick this card in limited, just because of its just how good it, it can be. Now the thing is in Highlander and in uh, Commander, I'm not sure how car how good this card is. This card is as good as how many fetch lands you or and your opponent are running. Because without fetch lands, this card is not that great, really. I mean, it still has amazing power. It can eat up some things from graveyards. It could dome your opponent out at some point. But this card is at its best when it is accelerating your mana. When it's not, it's still decent. That said, I would play this in most limited decks. I'm sure that there's some cases in, in Highlander where I would play this. This card's amazing in Legacy. It does, does fail the bolt test, but the card's good enough anyways. Now we have a we have Giant Solifuge, two red green red green hybrid mana, so total of four mana. It's a creature insect at rare. It's a four one trample haste shroud. That's it. Uh, Evan Irwin of the Magic Show had apparently a children children's nursery rhyme with Giant Solifuge. I am not going to attempt to reproduce it, but needless to say, he is called Captain Tickles. And if you look at the art, you will see why he is called Captain Tickles because he looks like a uh, looks like a spider. This card does a lot of good things for the red-green aggro deck. It's a big beater. It's going to hit hard. Really, really hard. 4-1 Trample Haste with Shroud means that they have means that they actually have to interact in some meaningful way in combat, and that is going to make your opponents miserable. Next, uh, we have Torrent of Souls. This is the last gold card, last multicolored card we've got. It is four and a black-red hybrid mana. It's a sorcery at Uncommon. Return up to one target creature card from your graveyard from the battlefield if black was spent to cast it. And creature's target player controls gets plus two plus oh and gain haste until end of turn if red was spent to cast it. And obviously if you spend both black and red, you do both. This card is very, very powerful in certain, in certain um, conditions. I've seen this card played in Commander where it did an ama a bunch of amazing things in my friend's reanimator deck. It can do some even crazier things in Limited. Just getting back a big thing and giving your entire team plus 2 plus 0 in haste, that's absurd. It can kill people. This is going to be a finisher card if you're playing a black-red deck. If you're playing in the Reanimator deck in blue-black, I would put a red source in your deck just to make Torrent of Souls just be absurd. 
Because, you know, five mana reanimate is fine. Five mana reanimate and give your team haste and pump them is better. Definitely play this card if you are thinking about or even considering playing in the reanimator deck. And that does it for all of the gold cards. So let's go ahead and dive straight into the artifacts. First up, Ashnon's Altar. Three mana for an artifact at Uncommon. You can stack a creature to add two colorless mana to your mana pool. This card is very, very good in Commander. One of the big things that Commander players like to do is steal your crap. Was a great way of making sure they can't steal your crap. Sack it before they can. Alter does an also great job in Limited, just being able to turn your useless creature, turn your useless creatures into extra mana to help power out some of your bigger fatties. Card's really solid. It's not a high pick, but I would definitely look to pick it up in some mid-pack, maybe late-pack situations. Next, Chrome Mox. Zero mana for a mythic artifact with imprint. When it enters the battlefield, you may exile a non-artifact, non-land card from your hand. Remember the non-artifact part. That is going to play tricks with you sometimes. Then, add one mana of any of the exiled card's colors to your mana pool. So, what does this do? It acts kind of like an extra land. If it's a multicolor card you tuck under it, then you can add both colors of mana. It is just free acceleration. And that is something that's very, very powerful and limited. In Commander and in Highlander, I'm not sure if this is that good. I could be proven wrong, but I don't think it is. In Legacy, this is very good in certain as in certain decks. And I know this is really good in Vintage because there's a deck that plays four that plays four of these so that they can power out some really crazy Belcher starts. But card's really good. Take it because it's a, it's a few bucks or at least it's a few bucks, and you will be very, very happy with what you do with Chrome Mox in your deck. Next is Duplicant, which is six mana for a rare artifact creature shapeshifter. It's a 2-4. This also has imprint. When Duplicant enters the battlefield, you may exile target non-token creature. Then, as long as the card exiled with Duplicant is a creature, Duplicant has the power, toughness, and creature types of the last creature exiled with Duplicant. It's still a shapeshifter. So this is a pseudo-clone. It does not copy abilities, but it does copy power and toughness. So what does this do? Gets rid of big fatties on your opponent's side of the board. For example, scared of that Sphinx of the Steel Wind? Here's a duplicate who's now a 6-6 Sphinx artist or shapeshifter. Doesn't get any of the abilities, just the power, toughness, and the creature type. That's all. This is a first pick quality card in Limited. It is a removal spell on a body that turns into a body. Card's great. Play it in Commander, play it in Highlander, play it in, play it in Limited. Bit expensive for Vintage, or bit expensive for Legacy, but play it nonetheless. Not in Legacy, in the other formats. Just being clear. Next, we have a Messy Tome. Four mana artifact at Uncommon. You can pay five mana and tap it to draw two cards, then discard a card. If you really need card draw, this will do the trick. It's expensive, but if you need it, it's there. Wouldn't recommend it, but there it is. Remember that card Belcher I mentioned? Here's Goblin Char Belcher. Four mana artifact at rare. It has an activated ability of three and tap and a long line of rules text. Basically, here's what happens. You reveal cards on the top of your deck until you hit a land. The, the Belcher, the Char Belcher, will deal damage equal to the number of non-land cards revealed to target creature or player that you name before you start revealing cards. If the card's a mountain, double the damage, then put all the cards in the bottom of your library in any order. That's all it does. This is used as a combo kill condition in Legacy and in Vintage. In Vintage, it's a slightly more consistent because you get actual Time Twister. In uh, Legacy, it's a little bit less consistent, but you're still able to power out some of these really powerful starts with, with Char Belcher. 
It's a great card. Not sure how good it is in Limited. I'm sure that somebody will prove me wrong and make an amazing Belcher deck in Limited, but it's going to be really hard to impress me with one of these style of decks. Next is a Cube All-Star, Isochron Scepter, two mana for a rare artifact with imprint. You'll notice a little bit of a theme going here now. This time when it enters the battlefield, you may exile an instant card from your with converted mana cost two or less from your hand. So you have to have it in hand. Then you can pay two and tap and make a copy of the exiled card. If you do, you may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. So you're just tucking in some instant that's two or less under the scepter, and just you can just do it every turn. Every turn, any turn you want. There's a lot of very powerful things you can do with Scepter. Here's here's a few cards just to just to whet your appetite. First off, Swords to Plowshares. Mmm, man. Doesn't that sound good? Another one. Brainstorm. Oh yeah, brainstorm. Or 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 if we're gonna be uh if we're gonna be fancy. Counterspell. Oh man. That's getting a little spicy there. Counterspell. Ooh. Here's one. Dream twist. Oh yeah, mill your opponent out. They won't mind. They're just gonna, they're just gonna be along for the ride. Just go ahead and mill them out. They won't feel a thing. If you want to be really spicy, entomb. Ooh man, entombing a creature every turn. That could do some re- that could do some serious serious damage. Or or here we go. If you want to have another rare in your deck, malicious affliction. Oh man, a doomblade every turn. That has to be value. If that's not value, I don't know what is. It's just ah, oh, beautiful. So. Scepter is definitely a build-around-me card. You can pick it early and try to build around it, and that's really the best thing that I would stick... That I, that's the best way that I would draft around Icecrown Scepter. You also can play it in Cube. It's not as great in Commander. I don't know how good it is in Highlander, but it's still a very valuable card. I would be very da- I'd be very scared of seeing it on the other side of the table. Next is Juggernaut. Excuse me, Juggernaut. Four mana for an artifact creature Juggernaut at Uncommon... It's a 5-3. It attacks each turn if able, and it can be blocked by walls. Card beats face. You want to know what the place is? Face is the place. And the Juggernaut wants to get there as quickly as it can. It'll run you over. It'll beat you down. If you're an aggressive deck, you're going to love the Juggernaut. If you're, a, if you're not in the aggressive deck, you're going to hate the Juggernaut. Next is a mythic that made everybody kind of crap their pants simultaneously, which is Mana Crypt. Zero mana for a mythic artifact. At the beginning of your upkeep, you flip a coin. If you lose the flip, Mana Crypt deals 3 damage to you, but it taps and adds 2 colorless mana to your mana pool. So Ashnod's Altar was 3 mana, and you had to sack a creature to get the 2 mana. Here, it's free, and you can only sometimes get Lightning Bolted on your upkeep. This is a very dangerous card, but this is the card that's currently bolstering the pre-order prices. This card is currently pre-ordering for $120. Yeah, this is the first time this card has been put into booster packs, this is using the Magic Online art. The art is amazing. Matt Stewart did a great job. This card is going to look amazing in foil. Oh my god. This card is great. Pick it because it's a $100 card. Run around the table. High five your friends. Call it a day. Play it. It's also great in uh, Commander because you start at twenty li- or start at 40 life, so you're not going to get killed as quickly. This is pointed in Highlander, so if you're going to use some of your points for the Crypt, go ahead, but make sure that you are aware of the cost of doing so. Uh, also, if it didn't need to be said, banned in Legacy, so don't play it in Legacy. Next is Milliken. Two mana for a 0-1 artifact creature construct at Uncommon. You can tap it and put the top card of your library into your graveyard and add one mana, t- one colorless mana to your mana pool. It's fine. It's not great. I'm sure there's a deck that's going to want this. Maybe the blue-black reanimator deck. Maybe you just need to ramp into something big and nasty. Milliken will definitely do the job. 
Not a lot of there's no colorless energies like we've seen with the Eldrazi currently from Oath of the Gatewatch. So I'm not sure if there's anything we can do with that, but it's a mana dork. It can help make some more mana if you need it. Next is Mindless Automaton. Four mana for an artifact creature construct at uncommon. It's a zero zero. Now it does enter with two plus a plus one counters, so it's really four mana for a two two. You can pay one mana and discard a card to put a counter to put a plus a plus one counter on Mindless Automaton, or or and, I guess, you can remove two counters to draw a card. So this is a really weird card. I'm not sure where to place this card exactly. It seems fine. I think it's better in the reanimator deck than anything else because you can just pitch cards you don't need to get them back later on. But, hey, it's a very it's a value card. Next is a card that commander players have learned to love or hate. Nevenril's Disc. Four mana for an artifact at rare. Enters the battlefield tapped. Then you can pay one and tap it to destroy all artifacts, creatures, and enchantments. This is a colorless Wrath of God. Destroys everything you need to care about. Of note, it will destroy itself if you didn't know already, because you don't sacrifice the disc to activate its ability, which is kind of silly. Uh, causes some great shenanigans in Commander. I'll just say that and leave, me, leave my piece there. This is great. Pick it early. Blow people out with it. You do have to wait a turn, because it enters play tapped, but I'm sure you'll find ways to uh, use it to its full effect. Next is Pilgrim's Eye. Three mana for an artifact creature Thopter at common. It's a 1-1 flyer. When it enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a basic land, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. Remember Civic Wayfinder? Here's the colorless version of it. Cards great in multicolored decks. Wayfinder, you need green mana. Pilgrim's Eye, you don't need any color of mana. It's just colorless. Pilgrim's Eye is definitely going to be a premium for those five, four to five colored decks that you're going to be wanting to maybe do if you want to be, be a little greedy or get some really good splash cards in. I would pick this fairly highly if I know I'm looking for a card to splash, or if I'm going to be in that 5-color Honden deck. Speaking of 5-color Honden decks, Prismatic Lens is a 2-mana artifact. It taps at a colorless to your mana pool, and you can pay 1 and tap it to add 1 mana of any color to your mana pool. So it either generates a colorless, or it can filter some mana through it. So it's not great. It's fine. It could be very good. I could This, just, this could just be the, the Coalition Relic of the set for cube, Coalition Relic is usually a top 10 pick. So, very valuable, especially if you're in a multicolored deck. Take Prismatic Lens pretty highly. Next is a card that needs very little introduction, Relic of Progenitus. One mana for an artifact at Uncommon. You can tap it and have target player exile a card from his or her graveyard, or you can pay one and exile the Relic to exile all cards from all graveyards and draw a card. Card does a lot of good things in Modern and Legacy to help fight graveyard shenanigans, much to my own chagrin. But its value is very, very good. It'll be great in Limited just to kind of hose some of the other shenanigans that are going to be afoot, like, say, with the Reanimator deck. But at the end of the day, it's a fine card. It can also cantrip, so that's something that we can also live with. Next is a card that also needs a reprint. Rare shifted up from Uncommon to Rare, Sensei's Divining Top. One mana for a rare artifact. You can pay one to look at the top three cards of your library, then put them back in any order. Then you can tap it to draw a card, then put the top on top of its owner's library. This card is banned in Modern for play considerations, not for power level, because people take forever to top. If you've played in the multiplayer commander game, you know what it's like to people go, oh, I'm going to top? Okay. Oh, you did a different thing? I need to top differently then. Okay. Oh, you, I need to top again. Don't take two hours to top. It's not going to end up well for you. Take this because it's a fairly valuable card already. It's played in Legacy and the Miracles deck. It's very, very good there. It's great in Commander. I'm sure it's really good in Highlander as well, just being able to filter your draws, especially with Shuffle Effects, since his Divining Top gets really good there. So, 
take the, take the card. It's very good in most formats. You'll be happy you did. Next is Ticking Gnomes. Three mana for an artifact creature gnome at uncommon. It's a 3-3 three, three with Echo for three. You can sack the Ticking Gnomes to deal one damage to target creature or player. This card seems fine. I'm not sure exactly how well this is going to play through, but I'm sure that this has a place somewhere in some limited decks. Next, we have Winter Orb, which is reverted to its old functionality. It's two colorless mana for a rare artifact. As long as Winter Orb is untapped, players can't untap more than no or excuse me. As long as Winter Orb is untapped, players can't untap more than one land during their untap steps. I have looked through the set. I have not found a way to tap the Winter Orb. So if you're taking the Winter Orb and you're playing it, you better be a white weenie deck or the aggressive tokens deck because you're going to be beating down and hopefully your opponent can't recover. That's the best advice I can give you. Winter Orb is amazing in aggro decks. It is terrible in control decks unless you are somehow able to tap the orb itself in order to um, get around its restriction. Now again, you have to tap the orb on your opponent's turn. Actually, just saying this, I realize that Glare of Subduel taps an artifact. That's the only card I can think of that does this. So, I'm sorry, people. If that ruins your day, I'm sorry. Next is Worn Power Stone. Three mana for an artifact at Uncommon. It enters the battlefield tapped. It adds two mana to your mana pool. So, just to recap, there are three artifacts that can add two mana to your mana pool. One is three mana and sack a creature every time you want to do it. One is free, and you need to, and you can get bolted every upkeep if, if you roll poorly. The other is Worn Power Stone. Which one's the most fair out of them all? Spoiler alert, it's the Ashnod's Altar. Worn Power Stone is very good. It's a great cube card. This card is going to look amazing in foil. It's going to be great. Take it pretty. I would take it pretty early in most packs because being able to go from 3 mana on turn 3 to 6 mana on turn 4 is absurd. It is amazing the things that you can do with this card. And that actually does it for all of the cards in Eternal Masters. I'm so glad that you spent this time with me. Again, if you don't already follow me on Twitter, you can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. You can also reach the podcast that I co-host with my friend Ian, which is Eyes on the Mize, at Eyes on the Mize on Twitter. Or if you have an email, you can send it to us at eyesonthemize at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm excited to draft this set. I'm gonna, I know I already have two drafts lined up with the re- on release weekend, so uh, I'll catch you guys on the flip side. Talk to you all later.